You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. We are back, dare I say, for the final time in August as we march on on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. He is the guy that you are wanting to hear from. You read him all the time on SportsMediaWatch.com. John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson, back aboard for another week. We've had the debut of the Amazon Prime NFL broadcast, albeit preseason, with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. And there's actually a news about Herbstreet health-wise that we'll get to. We've seen the college football season kick off with Week Zero weekend, including a massive, by the standards of the kickoff weekend, of college football in years gone by a tremendous rating for Fox for their Nebraska Northwestern game being played in Ireland of all places. We'll get to that. Uh, Serena Williams now playing in her final United States open, if not her final matches of her career, uh, including a Monday night uh, opening round match that was televised and had a, a an outpouring really of uh, support and, and post-match support, et cetera. A lot to get to. John, good to be back with you. No shortage of subjects. And we're going to have a special guest coming up as well. First of all, how are you? How are things? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it's uh, the start of the semester, but uh, I'm I'm free and easy. So I'm feeling good. It's uh, the rear fall where I just get to look forward to football games. So the cryptic message there is you have been professor because uh, interestingly, we had, we did talk with Sean Grandy, the play-by-play voice of the Boston Celtics. My compliments again to the chef, to John Lewis, uh, for delivering Sean Grandy to us because he had been part of your broadcasting classes that you've taught before on the college level. And he kept calling you professor. And by the way, you're a doctor. And I don't call you either one of those things. So I, I, uh, I, w- I wonder if I've been shortchanging you. So you are a professor, but you're not being a professor this semester for right now. You're just... No, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a nice, uh, relaxing. Well, you know, it's not really relaxing. Right? <laughs> I've still got the sight. But, you know, uh, no syllabus is for me or syllabi, actually. If I was really so smart, I would have said syllabi to begin with and not. That's OK. I never knew that that was the plural of it. And by the way, class is always in session on this podcast. Hey, I just made a metaphor. 
about it. Thank you for finding us. However, you've done so social media link, John site, sportsmediawatch.com. Make sure you're following or subscribing on this feed. We've got great stuff happening, not only on this podcast, but George Offman's tell me a story. I don't know. Podcast currently has part two of a conversation with the, Oh, by the way, the Northwestern football coach, Pat Fitzgerald, what timing uh, with Fitzgerald's team pulling the big upset over Nebraska, but he's got ties obviously to the Chicago area. He has been a lifer at Northwestern as a player and assistant and now as a head coach, 17 seasons as the head coach. That's hard to believe uh, here for Pat Fitzgerald, but they had that success. Hear more of George's conversation with him and what an upset uh, for them in Ireland. Uh, George, by the way, will be talking, John, with Greg Gumbel. Greg Gumbel will debut um, next week prior to uh, the start of the NFL season and his uh, work with the NFL on CBS. So we look forward to uh, hearing that conversation with George and our guys, Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen do a fantastic job with the announcer schedules podcast uh, so much that they cover and talk about and frequently interview announcers, play-by-play analysts, uh, et cetera, find their podcast later in the week, all on this feed. If you're following or subscribing on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Deezer, I'm told is big now with the podcast podcast mm. addict is another one, John, if you're uh. following or subscribing on all those places, you get all of these shows, you get a notification when the new one is there. You and I are typically out right smack in the middle of the week on Wednesdays, George, right before us, Phil and Mike, right after us, good stuff, good content with the support of your site as well and by the way we're going to have the takes and we've got a special guest coming up uh brett barons who is a local television sports anchor with a phenomenal story sometimes we oversell amazing incredible phenomenal we ain't overselling right now on a fair on the podcast on this on this story right yeah no it's uh it's uh certainly one of the uh you know, uh, it's, it, I, I'll leave it to what you said. Uh, I, I don't, it's, it's difficult to even describe. We'll let Brett describe it near death situation for yeah. him for a while. It didn't look like he was going to live and he's now a successful married uh, father and sportscaster in Illinois in the region where John is. And, and John put me onto this. I knew nothing about this story until you put me onto this full disclosure. I'm sitting in the hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana, last Saturday, getting ready for Buccaneers, a Colts preseason finale where Tom Brady made his debut. I'm watching the Northwestern uh, Nebraska game because I was interested because it's college football. And I knew we were going to talk about it. And you started co- communicating with me about getting Brett on the show and sent me the YouTube link of what happened to him and his amazing story and I couldn't type wow fast enough in capital letters, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to hearing more from Brett for that reason. So thank you for putting me on to it, even though I was just sitting there in the ho- I'm just minding my business in the hotel room in Indianapolis. And you're hitting me up with a tearjerker uh, YouTube on Brett Barron's and his yep. uh, near-death experience, John. So incredible. Well, you know, I, I will say I had been – interested in getting brett for a while but i had no no idea about his story it was really uh and we're going to talk about talk about this with him as well i was really just interested to know what the job of a local sports anchor is in this era because of how much everything has changed in sports tv so i actually didn't know anything about that story until friday so that was that that was Um, the first time i knew about it i went i went to his twitter account because i was going to ask him to be on the show anyway and then i saw Uh, all of that. So incredible. All right. We can't oversell it. And he's coming up in a little bit on the podcast. Let's get to the subject matters. 
debut of Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreit, the entire Amazon Prime crew, albeit a preseason game. I have a couple of opinions, but yours carry the most weight. What did you think on a new outlet that's going to be the new home of Thursday Night Football, at least for the preseason debut? It wasn't a new outlet. It was NBC. It was NBC, right? Was there you know, all, you know, all the way down? The graphics even looked like NBC. The, the graphics that Amazon had looked more like NBC's graphics last season than the graphics NBC currently has. All the shots were exactly the same. They just replaced Collinsworth with with Kirk Herbstreet. You know, uh, it's the same exact broadcast. Uh, it, it's more. It has more in common with Sunday Night Football than Sunday Night Football will this season. Even the music sounded not i mean it's not john williams right but you know even the music was what you would expect right it, it's uh, this is the fred godelli show okay so um it, it's it's very nbc for al it's going to be very comfortable the only uncomfortable thing is going to be having to promote all of amazon's all of amazon's ridiculous movies and shows um you know but then again considering that nbc is going to be scaling back their primetime programming maybe there'll be you know uh, uh more of a tv network feel from amazon than from nbc as far as the game you know look uh, al michaels is al michaels if he and kirk herbstreet have anything approaching real chemistry it's going to be a great team uh kaylee hartung you know um I might have overrated her a bit last week in terms of the the hard news stuff. I mean, we're only talking about Good Morning America here, but, you know, I'm, I'm being partially facetious. But, you know, <laughs> the reality is uh, she's very good. She's, you know, if she had stayed in sports TV, she might have been doing the NFL by now anyway. Um, it's, a, it's a very strong team that they've got, um, you know. And look, again, it's Godelli's show. He's a star. He's the star of the show. And, and it's his broadcast. And ultimately, that's probably the biggest, um, the biggest, you know, factor in Amazon's favor. And whenever you are a new outlet, whenever you are, you know, doing something that no one in your group has ever done, you want the best. That's why Fox got uh, Summer All and Madden and Terry Bradshaw. And James Brown, who had been on CBS forever at that point. That's why they put together the team that they had, because you can't, you know, this is a mistake that Apple made with baseball. Apple went out and they said, hey, everybody, we've never done baseball before. Uh, here's a whole bunch of Internet famous people that don't do baseball broadcasts normally. <laughs> and of course, people will not take them seriously. Right. right? So, you know, um, that's why Amazon, to me, I think is, is really in a good spot. They, they decided we're going to go with what's been proven. We aren't here to reinvent the wheel. We, don't, we can't afford to. And there's a couple of things uh, that, are, that are of note. The first one is they will not have the Thursday night opener. That's the traditional yep. NBC Thursday night opener. And uh, that will be coming next week as we release the podcast with Buffalo and L.A. And that's Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark. That'll be doing that game. So the first Amazon Prime Thursday night will be the following Thursday night, the Chargers and the Chiefs coming in week two of the NFL season. And I am still on the front end, especially after they have the first one on network free TV, free air quotes TV, that you're going to have screaming and hollering all over the place that people can't find and can't see the game. And we'll see how long that lasts. No matter how good it looks, there's going to be people upset especially i'm not trying to be ageist because i'm getting closer to there with each passing year but the older crowd that doesn't have amazon prime and doesn't know how to subscribe that's been used to for almost the past decade having cbs or fox 
show them the Thursday night game on a network channel, you know, week after week and year after year, it's ingrained that it's on yep. network TV. So let's stay tuned on that. Now, here's a fun one. Last week on the podcast, we were talking about the Dallas-Washington game 2001. You put me onto that again uh, because you do this all the time, and I love you for it. I had no idea and did not remember that, that Al and Dennis Miller and Dan Fouts were doing, like you call it, riff tracks, just making fun of the Cowboys-Redskins awful Monday night game because it was head-to-head -head with the Yankees-A's game five of their uh, divisional series in 2001. And so that game was so bad, and that broadcast where they're poking fun uh, at the game and how bad it is, I decided to treat you to something that I found. Somebody else put me onto this, which was a now, God, am I going to say this, 35 years ago broadcast uh -huh. of Monday Night Football 1987, late in the year, Jim McMahon and the Chicago Bears, two years removed from the 85 Super Bowl Bears, playing some guy named John Elway who was coming into his own for the Denver Broncos on a Monday night in November on Monday Night Football on ABC, second year of Al Michaels working Monday Night Football. Frank Gifford had been there forever. He's still one of the analysts. And Dan Deardorff's first year. So now I don't know this answer. Did you see a little of that? Did you watch some of that and relive some of that? Because I know you love the, the nostalgia. Have you gotten to my heads up there from last week? I got to be completely honest and say I didn't get a chance, oh. really. I'm sorry. Now, the big thing for me is, you know, uh, for me, nostalgia is mainly an NBA thing. I understand. If you look back before 90. Right now, if you want to go to like nine, 2002 Monday Night Football, when they had uh, the, the uh, who was that guy again? Hank Williams Jr. He would do the open and they'd bring in guests and they had right. Aerosmith doing it one year and Steven Tyler is screeching. Are you ready for some football? I could, you know, I could go back to that early 2000s. It's going to be as far back as I can go with with football. But you were uh, by. OK, look, we've revealed this point. You were not on the planet in 1987. But, no. but this is still vintage. It's not great quality what I found on YouTube, but it's still vintage in terms of the call and the plays and the amazing. So I'm just selling that to the audience to go back and watch Al Michaels from 35 years ago and now move forward 35 yeah. years later. He is now how old? 70, what you, 78. Yeah. And is still has still got it. He does. We'll see, we'll see how uh, it all plays out with Amazon. 77. I gave him an extra year. 77. He's 77. Yeah. 77 for look, The reality is that Al, you look, people who follow football more closely than I do, right? I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I'm a casual when it comes to football. I, I you know, I'm not, I, if you're, if, if someone is screwing up, you know, people say that Greg Gumbel isn't good anymore. They say that Greg has lost a step. I can't tell because if Greg Gumbel is botching names or botching calls, I'm a casual fan. I, I don't I don't recognize that. You know, for me, all I hear when I hear Greg Gumbel do a game is the same quality that I heard, you know, 20 years ago. And with Al, it's the same thing. If Al Michaels has lost a step, maybe he has. I am not the level of football fan who would be able to actually notice that. To I'm me, telling you, like I am. I'm in this business and he has not. And I'll even stand up for Greg Gumbel, who I love. And again, he's on with George. One more plug. Tell me a story I don't know. Um, next week because of his ties to Chicago and previously with ESPN, he's now been synonymous with CBS for 30 plus years. Uh, and Greg was working the game Sunday with Charles Davis, an interesting quirk on CBS because Ian Eagle is usually with Charles as the number two team on CBS, but Ian Eagle was committed to work the New York Jets, New York Giants game Sunday afternoon in the preseason coverage. 
And I thought it was it was a good listen. I was watching again. Maybe I can be biased because I like Greg and I like Charles Davis. And we're going to try to have Charles on in the football season okay. here on this podcast. The Lions weren't giving them very much to work with because they're the Lions. It was the Lions and the Steelers. But I heard some of that. And look, when we all get into our 70s, it's not the same as when you're in your 30s and 40s, obviously. No. But still, I thought I thought it was fine listening to that. And Greg Gumbel, by the way, 76 years of age, I think ah, I saw. Yeah. 76. He's up there. Still getting it done. Still getting it done. Yeah. From yeah. That. And, you know, not everybody would take the – swings that greg has taken he was the first black man to do a super bowl and he only got to do it twice right then they they swapped him and nance for the pregame so we got to do the, mm-hmm. the pregame because nance was doing the nfl today people don't remember that but nance Correct. was doing the nfl today and gumble was number one they swapped those roles and that's already a demotion then he gets demoted again because they bring in james brown and he gets down to number two then he gets demoted again for Ian Eagle, and now he's down in the number three spot. And look, I mean, he's had a great career. He's still doing well, does the, the tournament. But, you know, not everyone would be, you know, like able to kind of say, wow, you know, you keep putting me down the ladder. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I think, like I said, I have not noticed any decline in quality from him. Now, like, there's some of... people where you notice a decline. Marv yes. Alp, as great as he was, you could tell he wasn't the same. But Gumble and now Michaels, I still hear the same stuff that I always heard. And he is obviously still doing a high-profile NFL game most weeks, a lot of weeks, with Trent Green. And the NCAA tournament, he's almost become synonymous. That studio show has become synonymous with the game coverage, especially on the first weekend with all the games and the blur to have him sitting there in that studio uh, for sure. You know what I noticed, uh, too, uh, going back uh, before the NBA nuked all those great uh, YouTube accounts with the great old games, he was doing a lot of NBA for CBS. Because I was always under the impression yes. that he did the NBA for NBC, but he was doing big games did both. for CBS yeah, with Quinn Buckner. It was actually, I believe, it's got to be one of the first all-black broadcast teams since the 1980s. To you your know? point, they also did the NCAA tournament together uh, for CBS. And I still, here's more vintage YouTube, I still will go back and watch Greg Gumbel, and Quinn Buckner and the hair on the back of my neck is standing up right now with the Loyola Marymount basketball team of 1990 after the death of Hank Gathers. Their first game after that death was against New Mexico State. And in the moment where Bo Kimball, the other star player, shoots a left-handed foul shot in tribute to Hank Gathers trying to shoot the free throws left-handed because he was no good shooting them right-handed. He shoots that free throw and makes it. That's Greg Gumbel and Quinn Buckner on the call for that game. And not only that game, but the game on Sunday where the the, uh, the the second round game where they obliterated the defending national champion Michigan scoring 144 points. That's Greg Gumbel and Quinn Buckner, to your point, uh, on the call. I still remember Buckner's line. You can go back and watch it. When Kimball makes the free throw, the whole arena quiets down and Greg Gumbel says, and now Bo Kimball is going to do something in tribute to his fallen teammate, Hank Gathers. He's going to shoot this free throw left-handed. And everybody gets quiet. And he shoots the left-handed free throw, perfect form, boom. And the arena erupts, and Quinn Buckner's laughing. He goes, well, excuse me. I was never that good of a free throw shooter, but that's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. And 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 New Mexico State should have gone and gotten on the bus, John. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, yeah. they were done. But just to your point, that was Greg Gumbel and, yeah. uh, and Quinn Buckner back in the day. How about that? From the yeah. 80s and the 90s doing basketball – for CBS and then later for NBC. He did playoff games 
Mm -hmm. uh, for the NBC. I don't know how much regular season, but I know he did playoff games for oh, the yeah. NBA. No, Greg NBC. Gumbel was big on NBC with Steve Jones and Bill Walton. And, you, you know, go. Greg, every year they do the tournament, Greg, Kenny Smith, and Charles, it's a reunion of those mid-90s Rocket Sun series that Greg called, and Charles lost to Kenny both times. Uh, blowing leads both years. Oh, uh, one year it was 3-1, right? It was 3-1. One, one year was 3-1 with home court advantage. They lost 5-7 mm. and seven at home. The previous year, they won the first two in Houston and still lost a series in seven. You're going to love me because I pulled these names out. Mario Ely, am I right? Mario Ely, of course. Mario Ely, yeah. Because he made the big three and then blew them the kiss, right? Yep. Uh, to kiss sure them goodbye. How about that from the vintage? All right, so let's tie it back. Uh, speaking of that CBS broadcast of Steelers and Will They Be Better Lions, the Hard Knocks team on HBO, uh, that was the highest rated anything of the weekend, higher rated than Sunday night baseball, right? And actually mm -hmm. the Saturday Northwestern comeback win in Ireland was a tremendous ratings boom uh, for Fox uh, for college football on the week zero. Give us a little more detail on that yeah. real quick, John. Well, you know, anytime your ratings can go up 30%, that's good. Uh, I think the Dublin aspect helped last year, Nebraska, Illinois, uh, was in uh, the United States because of everything that was going on there. So, uh, you know, 4.4 million viewers, a 2.5 rating. That's not bad. Uh, you know, it's uh, especially for week zero. Week zero is really going to be going on about six years now. And uh, back in 19, ESPN had Miami, Florida, you know, a 3.4 over 6 million. But that was a different. That was all hyped up for the 100th anniversary of college football and primetime non-conference so, uh, you know, I think this is a pretty good, uh, pretty good number. Um, and uh, ultimately, uh, they could probably stand to really push week zero. I think there's audience potential there if they put more games, better matchups. Uh, to me, if you are a, a school, you're not Bama, you're not Ohio State, but you're on that second tier, you could probably maybe get a, a pretty solid audience for that first week and all of college football. What is it? It's just recruiting. It's just getting your program out there for people to see. So to me, if I'm a second tier program, like, you know, the way that you see Florida state every year is on that Sunday of Labor Day weekend, no matter how good they are, you know, if I'm one of those tier two schools, I'm looking at week zero is, and Hey, Nebraska's been there two years in a row. Maybe that's, maybe that's their calculation, but I think week zero has some uh, potential there. I guess one of the question marks is the August uh, advertising buys are not the same. And, yeah. and the calendar flipping to September 1st, I guess, makes a difference on that. And obviously you've got big time games coming this weekend, whether it's defending national champion Georgia on Saturday afternoon playing Oregon, whether it is Ohio State and Notre Dame. Do you have an early feel for what kind of number that might get Saturday night of Labor Day weekend, Notre Dame and Ohio State, because they don't play that often in the regular no, season. No, they do not. Uh, I don't think they've played since uh, the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago, and then they had the uh, Fiesta Bowl in 06. That was a really big draw. It was in the I Rose heard bowl that in the regular season, like in the last 40 years, maybe, it's only been like twice, twice wow. or three times that they've played in the regular season. So it's not I mean, that I think, often. I think it's going to be a big rating, uh, obviously, that you know, Labor Day weekend is is huge. You have the lead in from from Oregon uh, uh, versus uh, Georgia. I think there's some really good potential there. Uh, I think you'll see some pretty good numbers. Um, I can't give you seven a guess. Seven million, six or oh, seven well million? Over seven million, maybe even 10, 11, 12. Million. Really? No, I mean, that would it, be a win if that's the case. Well, of course. On of a Labor course. Day weekend, if they can when get you're talking number. about Labor Day weekend, let me try to get the numbers here. Um, 
And while you're looking for that, Notre Dame transcends differently in the Northeast, yeah. for example. There are markets like Boston. I've known this for years, and you, you can probably teach a class on this too, but markets like Boston and New York and even maybe Philadelphia that don't watch a lot of college football by and large, but will watch Notre Dame in prime time in larger numbers because it's Notre Dame. That's another reason why yeah. every chance ABC gets, ESPN ABC gets to grab Notre Dame and put them in prime yeah. time is the Northeast markets watch them. They don't watch Clemson, Georgia. They don't right. watch Texas, Alabama nearly right. as much. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go back uh, five years, Alabama FSU, uh, that's 12.3 million. Right. Interesting. So, uh, and, and to and me, was that that's the Saturday night game. That was the same yeah, comparable Saturday, Saturday night, night game. Yeah. If you actually go to that Notre Dame, Texas game on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, that was the game that really got the Sunday of Labor Day weekend going again. That was 10.9 million in 2016. You know, so Charlie Strong upset at Texas. Remember, they carried him off the field. I don't remember that at all. Then they fired him later in the year at the end of the year. He beat I didn't remember. Notre Dame in the opener at home. Great night. And they carried him off the field and he still ended up getting fired later on in the year. Yeah, well, I didn't remember Charlie Strong at all. I really there you didn't. go. College so, college football. And uh, what is Florida State and LSU on yeah. Sunday night? Clemson, Georgia Tech in the ACC inside deal for the Monday night Labor Day game, right? Yeah. It will be the primetime yeah. games, right? I'm always I'm always ripping Florida State on here. It's it's not it's nothing malicious, but I will say they're the Knicks of college football. Because you know, the Knicks will always be in those big windows, no matter how good they are. The Knicks are on Christmas this year and Florida state. They're always going to be in those big windows. Now is Florida state good. I, I, I assume they must've beaten Duquesne, right? I would have beat them badly, but Florida yeah. state has not been Florida state, obviously for about five or six years. Yeah. Not the same level. They and have the not recovered. Can I just tell you, Noel fans would tell you right now if they're here. In fact, I, I love being around the Hall of Fame voice of the Florida State Seminoles, who this is the first time, by the way, in 44 football seasons that Gene Deckerhoff is not doing Florida State. Let me say again, the first time since 1975 that he's not doing the Florida State games for football. Um, so uh, I was around him this past weekend. Uh, but they, they, he would be the first one to tell. And, and Gene obviously continues on uh, for another season now doing Tampa Bay Buccaneers football where I work with him. He would be the first one to tell you 2016 season when Lamar Jackson and Louisville put the 60 plus points on Jimbo Fisher and company, which like expedited Jimbo trying to pull the ejection handle and get out of Florida state and go to the sec and go to Texas A&M. They have not recovered. We are talking five plus seasons later. They have not recovered from being blown. I mean, to the level that they were, it's not, not all on that one game, but like that moment started almost like the avalanche, John, where mm -hmm. they have had losing seasons and problems. And we'll see if Florida I, state can get it corrected. I think the avalanche honestly was, was famous. I do. I think that was what, just what what the beginning of the end was and even though they got a national championship out of it uh, i think that was the beginning of the end but they won they won the yes the acc title the next year with an unbeaten season and got into the college football playoff right. and then mariota and oregon beat them in the semifinal game uh but the next and then the next year they were like preseason top 10 i mm -hmm. want to say that year they played a primetime uh game that was that the uh 
Was that the game that you're talking about? Alabama and um, Florida State was 2016. Yeah. 2017, that actually. That was 20, okay, so 2016, I think they might have had a primetime game too, maybe not on Labor Day or on the Sunday night. And they were they were nationally ranked. They yeah. just they were starting to unravel, and Lamar Jackson just yep. destroyed them in the regular season game, and it and it hasn't been the same since. For them. And now the Brian Kelly debut, by the way, speaking of Notre Dame, Brian Kelly debut at oh, LSU. Yeah. Quick hot take from you. Brian Kelly going to be a fit or not at LSU? Is it going to work or not? All Prediction? I can say is, you know, you, that's the game you're going to gather around with your family and watch. Uh, you know, <laughs> FSU and LSU. Yeah, you're making fun of his uh, references. Of course. Am of I sneaking course. a prediction out of you? Is he going to um, make it at LSU overall? I don't know. You know, I mean, I really don't know. I, I have no clue. I, I think fit. it's an odd yeah. fit. And he look, Notre Dame ultimately benefited from not being in a conference and not having to have, it doesn't matter if you have one really tough game a year in the sec, you have one really tough game a year. And then another game that's also nearly as tough and a third game that's nearly as tough as that second game and so on and so forth. The overall strength of schedule is so much different. And, you know, I don't Correct. know. Correct. I mean, the fact is LSU is a little bit like Florida State, too. Kind of got that one random championship, but otherwise really hasn't been that relevant since, what, Nick Saban? Am I, am I going correct? Far they got a couple that? of them. Saban got one and less miles right after Saban left to go to the NFL. Yeah. And they've been around, but no. So, But, I mean, it'll be interesting. It will be, yeah. what will that fit look like? Lincoln Riley, by the way. And the USC opener this week, now the Southern Cal coach. I saw him being interviewed on ESPN this weekend about adjusting to everything Los Angeles. I will, I will put this out there just as a quick prediction on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Lincoln Riley will be the Dallas Cowboys coach, I'm going to say, by 2025. I'll go three wow. years from now, he's the Cowboys coach. I genuinely no. don't know who's coaching the Cowboys right now because my mind is telling me Jason Garrett or gone. Wayne Phillips. Gone. Mike McCarthy replaced Garrett, oh, who's okay. now going to be on TV on the Notre Dame game. So Mike right, McCarthy, the former Packers coach, is there. Hmm. Lincoln Riley. Jerry Jones wanted to hire Lincoln Riley like twice over the past few years. Oh. Ah. He's gonna. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll He's see. At USC right now. I don't know that Lincoln Riley wants to play in the Big Ten either. He signed up to be a West Coast. Yeah, Pac-12. Yeah, that's true. Can you imagine? Uh-huh. And then those, uh, those, the, 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 the travel is going to be crazy. Uh, you know, we don't ever talk about the, 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 the smaller conferences. All I can think about, you know, I'm the only person on earth like this, but all I can think about is UCLA gymnastics having to go play at Rutgers every year. <laughs> I mean, can the you conference meet? Right. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it's for all the other. It, well, it's bad football, enough that UCLA football would play at Rutgers or Maryland in a noon game for the lesser, little-known Big Ten schools. But you're right. For yeah, the but other it's programs. different. But it's different for the other programs too, because at least you know you imagine the football team's going to get a nice, you know, travel accommodations, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's it's going to be nuts for and you know it, it, i guess it'll work out for water water polo because i'm pretty sure <laughs> i think indiana and michigan have water polo teams i was going to say out of the big 10 out of the other big 10 schools how many of them have water polo exactly they have ice but there's hockey actually two. the water is frozen they have ice hockey that ucla yeah. and usc don't have well they yeah. have water polo i got yeah. you uh, i got you on that so we'll see what happens with the college football for this weekend support for this podcast and the following message come from corient 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. All right, another subject. Let's switch over to tennis. And one of the all-time greats, if not the greatest, Serena Williams, playing in what's now been announced as her final U.S. Open if not her final tennis tournament ever, uh, played on Monday night and won her opening round match against an opponent, a little-known opponent from Montenegro. Uh, all right, so, John, what were your thoughts? Did you see some of this on the ESPN coverage? They rolled out the big guns, Chris Fowler, Chris Everett, John McEnroe calling Serena's match. What are your thoughts on this here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast? I'll be careful saying Chris Everett. You might get knocked to the ground, right? Chris Everett. Don't, so, remember... That's Everett. what happened with Jim Rome. Oh, and that was Jim Everett, Chris Everett. Yes, and he okay. used to call him Chris, right? Correct. Because at that point in Jim Rome's life, <laughs> when he was 12 years old, the greatest insult was to call a man by a female athlete's name, but right. whatever. Uh, look, um, you know, Serena, it's one of the things that is that comes to mind with Serena is how taken for granted she has been throughout her career, right? You know, uh, I remember when she won in 99, first of all, a lot of people don't realize or don't remember, but Venus was the star. Serena was the complete afterthought. Mm-hmm. And when I say that Venus was the Lakers and Serena was the Clippers, right? I mean, that's the honest truth. And the interesting California parallel. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when Serena won, I remember like, wow, that's really random. Who would have ever thought Serena would be the first one to win? That'll be a good trivia question down the line. And of course, Serena ended up being, you know, what she, what she became. Uh, I remember uh, that year, 99, the semis were on uh, and I was dipping in because I was also watching Pepper Ann on another TV, right? (laughs) A young John Lewis. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Uh, and for for Serena to have had the longevity, remember Steffi Groff retired that year. Steffi right. won her vinyl major, 22, the year Serena won her first of 23. And when Steffi retired, she was 29. You know, I mean, Serena's 40. She just won a Grand Slam match at 40, which, you know, itself is not normal, right? People don't typically do that. And yeah, I think she's just the fourth woman to win a Grand Slam match at the age of 40, joining Venus. And uh, they didn't mention who the other two were. I was curious. Maybe it was uh, Kamiko Dati. Might, and it, well, it might have been Billie Jean King, who honored her last night, who played on into her late 30s and maybe even to 40 years I don't of think age. So, because the, I point, right. the point you're making is it's a young woman's game, yeah, and not is. unlike gymnastics or figure skating the same way that it, yeah. at 25, the line of demarcation seems to be you're ancient at 25, yeah. much less 30 or 35. Exactly. And the uh, same thing with the men's side as well. You know, when Martina Navratilova had her comeback in the mid 2000s and she was 38, it was 
this weird thing. It's like, wow, that's crazy. And, you know, we don't think of it that way with, with Serena. You know, Serena's career has always been so complicated because people, you know, look, let's just lay it out on the line here. There were people who had it in for her and Venus from the very beginning because they were two, what they were two black girls and they were not in the, you know, Chanda Rubin, Zena Garrison mold. Right. And that's not an insult to Chanda Rubin or Zena Garrison. It's just a reality. Right. Um, they were from Compton. They were brash. Their dad was brash. Mm-hmm. They didn't kowtow to anybody. And, you know, look, when you are black and you're entering a very white space and you're not, you know, kind of saying, well, how, uh, what, what, what's the line from My Fair Lady? How kind of you to let me come. Right. It's <laughs> the line from My right. Fair Lady. Right. And if you're not like that, then people get really mad at you. You know, uh, and and people had it in for them from the beginning, all the way down. They they were still wearing beads in their hair, and people right. had it in for them. And for a lot, you know, it was amazing to me watching the match last night, seeing the uh, the intensity of the positive sentiment for Serena, and remembering that people would root more intensely for their opponents for a long time at the U.S. Open. Uh, it took a long time. I'm not really sure what changed it because we know that winning. I know. There it is. You just winning? said it. When you win and you win and you win some more, and when you wake up in the morning and you're winning, and when you come back in a, in a year and you're winning still, and you're winning and winning and winning, changes everything. It changes. It changes it all, and everybody wants to be associated with it and be around it. And uh, my wife's comment watching some of it was, "Man, look at all the people there. They had twenty three thousand yeah. there." And I heard the stat last night uh, when it was announced that this would be her last one they sold like five thousand opening night center yeah. do they call it center court it's arthur ash court right yeah, uh, yeah they, arthur ash the stadium. arthur ash stadium court they sold five thousand tickets that afternoon for yeah. the opening night at arthur ash court because she was going to be there and going to be on it because everybody wants to be around a winner that's uh uh, it was tremendous. It was it was tremendous yeah. to watch it. I will say this: there was some criticism of Gail King being there because she's not a sports person. Right. I don't know who arranged that. That's not a CBS thing because of CBS televising the Open. They well, used they don't. To. Yeah, they used to. They used to, but they don't. So that would not be a CBS thing versus an ABC ESPN thing. Um, I, I thought Billie Jean King being there which she was the trailblazer to get a women's tennis tour going back 50 years ago. And then she told the story. You heard the story, John, that she was around Venus and Serena when Venus was seven, Serena was six. And, and so uh, Billie Jean King said to Serena, can you serve at six years old? I mean, we're talking about a first grader. Can you serve? And she said, yes. And then she watched her serve and Billie Jean King went, wow, don't change a thing. Yeah. Don't change a thing to she and to Richard about that. And how prophetic does it turn out yeah. 30 years later on, uh, yeah. on what she's become? Um, so they'll continue to play uh, to pay tributes and uh, the, the matches will go on. She's scheduled to play again as we release the podcast on Wednesday and how long it lasts. We'll see. We'll find out. You know, the, the other thing too, think about the rivals who have fallen by the wayside. You know, Serena has been doing this for a really long time. So you're talking about Martina Hingis, right? Martina, who mm-hmm. didn't win a major in the 21st century, uh, three in 97, one in 98, one in 99, right? Jennifer Capriati, right? Mm-hmm. Who had that resurgence right as Venus and Serena were getting good. What a time to have a resurgence, right? You know, uh, you know, Lindsay Davenport, Emily Moresmo, 
right? Justine Anna, who is probably her her most significant rival outside of Venus. Uh, people want to say Sharapova. Well, you know, the record doesn't bear that out. Uh, it was probably Justine Anna was probably the only one outside of her own sister who ever could consistently beat her. Uh, and, you know, it's just amazing to, to the longevity. I mean, people, the and, you know, the other thing I talked before, people had it out for from the beginning. There was always so much criticism, very much. Serena's the only female athlete that I've ever seen who gets criticized like a male athlete. Now, that's not me saying that female athletes get a break from the media. That's me saying that the media doesn't care enough about women's sports to trash female athletes the way that they do men. <laughs> I mean, that's that's honestly true. You know, like in the WNBA, Liz Kane Bage, if she was a male athlete, would be in the Kyrie Irving zone, right? The reason she doesn't get that negative coverage isn't positive. It's because people don't care enough about the WNBA to follow it closely enough to rip upon her the way that they would with Kyrie. Right. So, you know, Serena's the only female athlete I can ever remember who got the level of criticism that I've seen male athletes get, which again, it's not a good thing, right? But she's the only one. And throughout her whole career, oh, well, she doesn't care enough about tennis. She's not focused enough on tennis. What, what exactly did she do from the beginning? She got the Serena slam. So she had like five between 99 and 02. How many did Tiger have at that time? I'm pretty sure she had more by the end of 02 than Tiger. She's did. clearly been the most dominant player of the, of the 2000s of the century. There is no yeah. disputing that. There's no denying that. Now, this would be an interesting longer debate. We don't have a long time because, again, we've got a special guest coming up in a moment or two. I don't think she is above Martina Navratilova. If you want to say one and one A, and again, here's where I bring perspective that I'm older than you and I watched Martina and Chrissy Evert uh, battle against each other and she had a rival in Evert and Evert had won a bunch and then she unseated her and won a bunch and that rivalry. And then you look at the staggering numbers of Martina in the 80s and the early 90s and all the majors and all the double majors. She won 31 majors as a doubles player. It's playing at the same time, obviously, as playing the singles draw. She's playing the doubles draw and and won a combined 50-something major championships between the two. So that's a great debate. You care to weigh in on that because it's going back. Well, so, you know, I saw someone wearing the shirt yesterday, uh, greatest female athlete with the female crossed out, saying Serena's the greatest athlete. Because it's an interesting one because I would always say that the reason why I would call Serena the greatest female athlete is because it's more definitive, except the only person, the only female athlete that I can think of who would rank with Serena is Martina. Uh, now I think Serena is better, but Martina did win six in a row and she, you know, she got, I believe she got the calendar slam. She might not have. She, she, she got the calendar slam like four times or three Martina? times. I believe, I believe Martina got it three times, something uh, like that. I, I'm pre- I will look that up. Look that up while we're look while we're up. looking. Uh, I know because I read this. In terms of doubles, she got the she got the Grand Slam. I think six times with right. with Pam Shriver, something right. like that. So I'm talking just singles. She, singles. she never got the Calendar Slam with singles, but she did win. I believe she won six in a row. Right? Uh, How did she win in six a row in a row? How did she win six in a row without winning four in one year? That would be because you could win three, three in at the one end of year, one and three at the and beginning. Three at the yes. start of the year. I think she did that, but as I'm looking, it doesn't seem to indicate that. I don't know because remember Australia was sometimes but, in like 
That's still December. nonetheless, Martina, nine right. Wimbledons, the standard. Right. She's got nine. That's more than Serena. Martina was also the number one player in the world, like 320 weeks of her career. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And again, I am older. I saw her play. Right. So I realize in the present, for those that don't remember Martina 35 and 40 years ago being that dominant, I will forgive you. But she I, was dominant. She was amazing. I do think it's arguable. I would go with Serena ahead of Martina. But I think they, Martina is the only other tennis player and probably the only other female athlete that I would say it could challenge Serena's status as the greatest of all time in tennis and the greatest of all time female athlete. She's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. Do I sneak a quick prediction how sure. long? And we don't know. We don't know. We released the podcast. She could lose Wednesday. Who knows yeah. at 40 years of age. Right. How long speculate do you think she lasts? Quarterfinal? You know, I thought she I thought she could lose last night, right? You know, uh, with Serena, Serena, her I think it was Chris Everett who said it yesterday. You know, the ball's always on her racket. It's up to her. If she is totally in her element. There's nobody who could beat her even at 40. Well, remember but, the famous, can I interject? Remember the famous right. Jimmy Connors at an advanced age, early 90s, yeah. made a run in the U.S. Open, yeah. beating younger players, clearly at the end of his career. I'm not saying she's going to win the whole thing, but yeah. I could see her in the quarterfinal. I could see her well, win two or three yeah. more matches and get to the second weekend. She was regularly making the second week of majors as late as 2021 Australia, less than two years ago, until that injury at Wimbledon. Um, she's clearly still got it, but you know, she's also playing what her sixth, seventh match back from injury. So I do want to add just quickly, all the controversies we've seen over the years, you know, with Serena, it was really nice uh, to, to see her get the kind of treatment she got at the open yesterday, given the ridiculous nonsense with that line judge uh, in 2018. Um, and you know, the other incident back in 09, you know, tennis is a game. I've talked to you about this before with curios tennis is a game where everyone likes to act like, Oh, everyone is super classy and calm. And tennis has never been like that. And it's only certain players who get, you know, really judged <laughs> for it. Uh, and, uh, I hope it all, and all I want for Serena is health one in terms of, you know, uh, getting through the tournament health. Uh, acquitting herself well so you don't want to get what cc pass was getting yesterday where you lose the first 11 games of the match right you want health to acquit yourself well and no weird incidents and to go out positively and to me you know i can't see her winning the whole thing she had opportunity after opportunity uh the last few years to get 24 it just didn't work out uh so all i'm looking for for serena is a healthy competent and drama-free you know, kind of positive deal. That's all. There we go. All right. On that note, let's continue with a special guest. Okay. Well, uh, today we're very happy to be joined by uh, WCIA uh, CBS uh, affiliate in Champaign-Urbana uh, sports director, Brett Behrens. And so this is a, a very interesting uh, kind of booking because, you know, obviously this is a local sportscaster. I know probably not everyone who listens to the podcast knows local sportscasters, uh, but I was interested to talk about the role of the sports broadcaster in this era, an era where SportsCenter 
is not what it really even used to be? What is it still today? What is the impact of social media and all the uh, the ease with which people can see highlights on that role? But you know, when I was going to ask Brett to to come on the show, uh, I actually was not aware of of his personal story uh, when I went to go do this, and so we are going to talk about that because it's an incredible story. Uh, but we're going to start out talking about some of the basics of this job in this era as well. So Brett, we are very happy to uh, to have you joining us and uh, looking forward to uh, hearing your insights. Thanks guys, appreciate the opportunity. Happy to share today and, and I'm just a guy trying to figure it out, but I've been doing it for a little bit of time, about a dozen years now. So I, maybe I got a, a little bit of an idea of what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to start out kind of on that subject. So we know, you know, for all of us of a certain age, highlights were very different when we were growing up, right? You would wake up in the morning and you would not know what happened in the game the previous night. And you would find out from Stuart Scott. I found out that Kobe Bryant scored 81 points from Stuart Scott, right? That's how you would find that stuff out. You wouldn't know what the result of the game was until you tuned in to SportsCenter which for young people today is completely just not at all something they could even, you know, imagine. On the local level, is it at all different? Because you are dealing with a, maybe an older audience watching the local affiliate. They may not be tuning into Twitter or House of Highlights, right? And beyond that, you're covering the local team. You're covering Illinois football. You're covering high school football. Is there at all any difference in your role that you've seen? with the changes that we've seen with social media, making it so much easier for people to follow games. hundred percent. If there is not changes, I would question what you're doing. I say all the time to myself and to my team, how are we staying relevant in this new era of digital media? Because for me, what I do at six and 10 every night is still important because ultimately that's what my bosses care about most. They get more money out of spots and advertisements that run on TV than they do in social media. But it's my job to produce content in a new age of social media. And so I ask myself all the time, and I question my team all the time as a leader, how are we staying relevant? And what are we doing? I think it's such a basic question, John, but it comes down to this is if you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it, then I question what you're doing. And I know that sounds very simple, but in a new age, it's more than just let me get a web story up real quick. Well, that's true and that's important to me and what I cover here on a local level. And that's primarily Illinois basketball and football. But how am I catering to both sets of audiences? And so I've had a complete mind shift in, in a sense of, okay, yes, I know what I'm doing at six and 10, but I don't even touch that stuff most of the time until three, four, five o'clock sometimes. It's what am I doing on the web right now that can pace all of that? And what I tell our advertising team here is, I don't really know how you make money off of that because that's not my responsibility. My job is to produce great content. And I feel like we do that at the local level. It's their job to figure out how to sell it. And I think somewhere in the middle that intertwines. And so for me, it's about how can I best get the content that we've got? Because I believe, John, that people today are more hungry for content than they've ever been before. It's more readily available. That also means there's more noise out there for you to fight through, as opposed to highlights that were on ESPN, you know, 
say 20 years ago, I'm that same generation. I grew up watching the sports center of Stuart Scott and Dan Patrick and all of those guys. And I would watch it three or four times a morning. And that's what I wanted to be. And that's in large part why I'm here today, because I thought it was really cool that you got to talk about sports in a visual medium on, on TV. And so, yes, it has to be different from that. If it's not, then my question is, what are you doing? Because that's a reason and a part, and it may be a small part, but on a reason why so many news directors across the country have just either cut sports, cut sports time, you know, or just in essence said sports are not that important. I disagree completely. Whether it's the biggest thing you cover NFL for us here in our market, it's college in, in Illinois, and then the high school, it's all relevant. How you're presenting that information, both digitally and on air has to be different, but it still has to be there. And you still have a hunger for that. I am more convinced than ever people want it. They just consume it in different ways. And so when you are doing that traditional end of the newscast bit, right, that, you know, we've been seeing since, who, who, who was it, Warner Wolf? Am I right about that, TJ? That's a New York name. That's before yeah. Brett's time, probably, too. That's a New York name. And Warner's famous line is, let's go to the videotape. He would always say that in the New York sports cast with whatever back in the 70s and the 80s when they would go back and, uh, and look at it. So good reference there, John, good old school yeah. reference. Well, I don't, I don't know if it was Warner Wolf that I remember from those local affiliate uh, broadcasts when I was growing up, but it was uh, whichever one it was, he wasn't Marv, but he looks like Marv Albert. Do you know who I'm talking it's about? Probably him. Yes. It's probably him. He was a New York sports casting legend. And the, you know, in almost any market, there are sports casters that you just kind of grew up with, depending on how old you are, seventies, eighties, nineties, or whatever, that were doing the local sports, which is what your point right. is. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, just a digression there. But, you know, when you're doing that role, that traditional role we've seen so many times for so many years, is it at all different doing that role in this era? Or is that still the same as, as you would have done it before? It's different from certainly 20 or 30 years ago when I go back and look at the archives. And for me growing up watching local television, which is what I did. I'm originally from this Champaign-Urbana area. I grew up watching a guy named Chris Widlick, who's in Indianapolis now. And I joke with him all the time that I'm the guy that wanted his job and now I have it. And I tell him that when I see him all the time, it's funny how small the world is sometimes. But when I go back and watch his tapes or Dan Roan from WGN, who recently retired, and, and that's the late 70s and early 80s, what we do now and what I preach to my team is completely different than that. They're rolling two, two and a half minute highlight packages and just explaining the game as they go. What I try and do is provide storytelling within that. Yes, the highlights are still there. It's going to be a part of that. But I'm trying to convey to my audience something that they can't get anywhere else at this market and in this medium of television. And that's storytelling. And I think that's the the cure-all be-all between that and what can bind people and what can get them to watch is because WCIA, where I work, my employer, is going to tell me a story, not just about the highlights of the game, but take you inside of that. And I know that sounds so simplistic and everyone does that or tries to do that in a sense. But for me, can I get strong characters? Can I tell you a story about the game? Yes, the game happened. But if I can take you inside of what happened, then to me, I have something that no one else in this market is providing. And I think that is the avenue to continue with what we're doing in TV and media as a whole. Because like I mentioned before, I think people want that stuff. How they're consuming it is, is just completely different. So for us, yes, the highlights are still going to be there. 
but I'm going to drive the storytelling element and then drive to the web even more with videos that we produce for the web. You know, it's interesting too, after a game, we, you know, we go get all this video of the game. We'll get the post-game press conference and all of that. Unless I'm on a strict deadline for TV, the first hour to hour and a half of what I do after that game is completely digital. I don't even touch what I'm doing on TV. And that's the kind of mind shift set that I'm talking about and how to stay relevant. And that's, I'm a firm believer in that. And we've had great success with it here. And it even goes farther than that in terms of, uh, you know, we started a a pregame and a postgame show, digital only in this market, in market 90. No one else is doing that on television in the visual form. Yes, the radio has a pregame show and certainly a postgame show. But we're investing into the product when there's an avenue for it. And we've had great success. We had more than a half a million viewers last year in Market 90 for Illinois football and basketball for our pregame and postgame shows. That wow. tells me that people there are interested. And that's in you know, a small market. You know, I, I can only imagine what that would be is if, if we were covering an NFL team or, or a bigger market. Let me give you a great reference point just because you brought that up in terms of that. I'm talking with the NBC affiliate here in Tampa Bay, which is WFLA-TV, appropriate for Florida, FLA, being the old school abbreviation. They are going to run a pregame show prior to the Buccaneer-Dallas Cowboys Sunday night opener that uh, they could almost ask whatever price they want for the advertising because they know they're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 or 400,000 people amped up yes the other nfl games will be ending and going on but when their pregame show comes on to get ready prior to the nbc national football night in america pregame show it's exactly what you're talking about and then when they are on after the game right after the game is over with with their newscast etc they know they're going to probably have double or triple or maybe more brett of the audience because of the lead-in of the end of the buccaneer cowboy game particularly if it's close to take advantage of those things. So I wonder, while I have the floor here for a second, Brett, in the local market, is it a bigger deal now for the subjects you cover, whether it's high school sports or going to cover Illinois when you're there because they see you on the local TV all the time, that, wait a minute, you're here, it carries more weight. They're here at our Friday night high school football or basketball game. What about that aspect for you? Yeah, I think that's true. And I will say this, there, there are strong ratings at our station. I know ratings across the country and local TV are not great. We're a let, you know, a, a legend station in a sense, you know, we're a legacy. We've been number one in our market forever. And so, yes, that does carry weight when we go other places and we have the title, your Illini nation for us, that's important as the official television station, whatever that means. But when we go to those high school places, and once again, this is just trying to capitalize of of what you do best. We know what we do best, and that's Illinois. And high school is really important in that. And we crush our high school shows on Friday night as well, routinely getting 13, 14, 15 games a night, but or you know, on on a Friday night. But when we go those places, people know that we are the Illinois station. When I have people when I'm out in high schools, they come up and talk to me. Yes, they want to talk about their team and and you know, they're a local. Hey, what do you think of us this year? Well, whatever. But primarily, they want to talk about Illinois because they know we are the Illini station. And I think that carries so much weight into that, if, if that's what you're getting at, because it, you, you develop a brand. And I think that brand is still strong. And that's also why, guys, 
I have committed myself when I've been sports director here to, to management. I said, hey, we're going to travel. When even the local newspaper here wasn't going to games, away games, when Illinois was bad and they were bad for a long time, I said, we need to invest in when other people are pulling out because of those same things. I believe it still holds weight. I believe people still care. And we have done that now. And people now expect us to be at every home game and every away game, which we have been for several years. And, and I think that also holds weight. Like I mentioned, people want information. How they're gathering it is the most important thing that for me as a local broadcaster, I can do my best every day to give them that in different platforms. You know, I think it's very interesting. You know, you, you talk about being the Illini station. So in that role, you know, you're also independent. You're a CBS affiliate. You're a newscast. Do you feel the same kind of pressures that, say, an RSN might feel to not necessarily be too critical? As you said, Illinois, for a long time, really has not really had the great seasons, right? So do you feel that same level of, well, we can't be too critical here. We want to make sure that we're, you know, not irritating the fan base or even maybe the administration. No, I find it the other way, actually, John, to be honest with you, because I think people want realness on TV and and in their media. For so often, we're we're just consumers of information that we're questioning. Is it false or is it not? I just try my best to be as honest as possible, to not have a side, not have an agenda, which is the old school TV of, of doing things, right? Hey, let's just give you the facts for what it is. That's why we have analysts to do that. And we pay our analysts on our local television station in Market 90 to give that information. And I try and relay that as much to them. I just ask real honest questions and try and get the most honest answers I can. And I have found that if if you just give the people real, honest critique of what it is, they're way more willing to be reciprocal in that. If Illinois is bad, I say Illinois is bad, and they've been bad for a long time. Basketball has turned it around here recently. But instead of trying to, you know, sugarcoat things, even though we have a partnership with Illinois, and I've been told by leadership over there, too, that they respect that. They know when they're bad. So instead of trying to uh, sugarcoat our audience into something that's not, if Illinois is bad, I say Illinois is bad, and I have no problem doing that whatsoever, both on air and digitally on Twitter, Facebook, whatever it may be. To the voice of Brett Barons. We love Brett's insight. He is the sports director of WCIA TV. Great acronym, too, but it stands for Champaign Urbana. <laughs> uh, Channel 3, the CBS affiliate in the Champaign Urbana area. Uh, area. And he is with us on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. All right, so maybe we buried the lead to use the uh, the old school journalism phrase. What a phenomenal story you are away from the job. Uh, for those that are not aware, you had what can best be described as a near-death work accident, nearly took your life some 16 years ago. Incredible story. We encourage people to look more into your story Uh, The YouTube video that your family and friends and the people that saved you did is just amazing. Um, You overcame a ton to be where you are. What message would you have to our audience about your story of perseverance and what has now led you to a broadcasting career? You're married. You're a father of, of three. What message do you have to our audience about your story, Brett? So just a little backdrop there. I was 18 years old working 
a cell phone tower job. I thought it'd be fun to just work construction, build cell phone towers. I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I like to do things that get your heart racing, you know, going skydiving, doing all those kind of things that my wife just closes her eyes at. And so 18 years old, a friend of a friend hooks me up with this job and I got catapulted 80 feet into the air working, trying to build a cell phone tower at just 18 years old. My life was changed in an instant, spent 54 days in the hospital, 13 days in a coma fighting for my life, had a lot of injuries, spent the next two years recovering. The biggest injury was a left leg below knee amputation, about six inches below my knee. Needless to say, my life changed in an instant. When all of my friends were out doing things that normal college kids do, I was trying to learn how to walk again. And all, all along, I've known that I've wanted to do what I'm doing right now which is pretty cool and full circle. And so in seventh grade, when I missed the boys basketball team, I said, well, maybe uh, this sports thing isn't going to work out for me. And, and I started to get really curious about media and working in media and what that might look like. And so all along, I had a vision and a dream to be in a position of where I am right now. And that's why I kind of mentioned Chris Whitlick earlier when I joke with him about that, that I'm now the young punk that, that has his job that he used to have. But for me, I say it every single day at work and sometimes it's figurative and sometimes it's literal as this business goes so often, but I say I'm living the dream because I honestly, I am in a sense, I'm very privileged and honored to have the job that I have and get to do what I do because I was just a kid growing up watching Illinois. And now I get the honor and, and privilege to cover them. And the path hasn't taken me down the road. I thought it would, right? No one ever envisions themselves getting in a traumatic accident, learning to walk again, learning to walk with a prosthetic. But all along through this whole thing, TJ, I've just said, okay, I'm not going to let this stop me. I have a faith that's bigger than my plan and my vision. And in Christ, I've said, okay, I'm going to continue to do what I'm, I have a dream of doing. Yes, I've had setbacks along the way. There's been things that haven't gone my way. But I've said, I am going to do the best that I can do every single day to maximize the opportunity that I have because ultimately I have a second chance. You don't just fall six stories. That's what it was. That's about what 80 feet is, is six stories of a building. You don't just fall that far and not have any head trauma, not be you know in a wheelchair paralyzed. There's a whole list of things that I don't have. And a leg is part of that in an amputation. But I've also said... There's so many more things that I do have in a second chance. And ultimately that is on me. And every day I make a decision when I get out of bed and put my prosthetic leg on, if I'm going to make the most of this opportunity in this day or not. And while we all have those opportunities, some of us don't think of them every day like that. For me, it's right there in my face every single day when I get up. I either have a choice to make this positive or I don't. And I don't get it right every single day. But through my experiences, I'm thankful that I do have this perspective. And for me, that's the biggest thing. It's all about perspective, right? I get to do things. I get to do them because when they're taken away, we realize how precious life is, number one, and how great our opportunities really are. And so for me, that's been my opportunity. That's been my chance and my second chance. And I've just tried to make the most of it every opportunity that I've had. Amen on that. John, anything else? 
Yeah, you know, um, just uh, like TJ said, just to echo what he said, it's uh, really an amazing story. You know, I, I'm familiar with your your work. I actually, uh, I was saying this earlier, I was not aware of your personal story until I was going to ask you to be on the podcast, because it was really just going to be about those changes in the industry. And it's really an incredible, uh, an incredible thing. You know, one of the things I was going to ask you, just based on all of this is it's so rare in TV and media to see reporters who have had to go through things like you've had to go through or are, you know, dealing with the loss of a limb or anything like that. Do you feel like you are providing through your work, through your visibility, you know, an inspiration at all to people who may think because, oh, I'm missing an arm or I, I, I have this issue or that issue that I can't go into TV. Do you see yourself as providing an, an, an example to them? I hope so, because the biggest thing I hope that I can show to people, whether it's in TV or not, is that you can do whatever you want to do no matter your circumstance. Yes, there are things that are prohibitive to me. But that doesn't mean that I, I have to let that stop me from doing what I want to do, you know, and I think it is different to in a visual medium, you know, if, if there was some things that have happened or, or whatever else, yes, that might be uh, different from a visual standpoint, you know, if, if I had a big scar on my face or whatever else that might be, I'm not trying to, you know, summarize something that didn't happen because it's, it's not the case. And I have a face for radio in that sense, too. Right. But like, that doesn't mean you can't do those things. It just means that maybe people would look at you a little bit differently. I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate for that. My, my biggest thing, though, like I said, John, is just the fact that, hey, look, things happen in life. But don't let your circumstance completely change what your dreams may be and, and what you want to do. And if you have a dream to do it, then you should absolutely pursue it. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, but it means that if you put the time and the work in that you can absolutely become whatever you want to become, whether in TV or in life. And so, yes, I've had to adapt some things the way that I do running up and down the sideline with a camera. You know, I, I don't run necessarily very well. And so, uh, you know, yeah, you, you may have to make some changes with what you do and, and come up with some adaptations for however that might look from the normal quote unquote sense but that doesn't mean it has to stop me. And the other thing that I want to say in that too is my story, I think has allowed me to empathize with other people and telling their story and hearing their stories because ultimately what we do is storytell when, when we go out and turn packages and stories and, and whatever that may be. And so I think I'm, I, ultimately I'm thankful. You know, I, I wouldn't write this, right? If, if I could rewrite the story, which we can obviously, but if I could rewrite it, I would love to have my leg back, but at the same time, it's allowed me to have a perspective that very few people have. And so when I go to tell a tough story, I feel like I have a different sense than that, you know? And so would I get my leg back if I could? hundred percent. Absolutely. But it's allowed me to have a little bit different view on life and on stories that I tell. And so I do think that has provided me an opportunity that some other people maybe haven't had. And so I try and take that to my advantage as well. And, you know, People always ask too, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great way to interact with people. And I just appreciate when people come up and say, Hey, what happened to your leg, man? You know, or just whatever that else that may be. Uh, it's a, it's a conversation starter in that sense. And I will say maybe the one positive thing is it allows me to be remembered. And I don't want to like say that in a, uh, Hey, look at me way, but like when you're meeting people for the first time, or, you know, you're getting to know an athletic director or a coach or whatever else, 
they're probably going to remember that that dude has one leg, right? So like, I, I do think that has kind of set me apart in, in that sense. Once again, trying to just turn things into a positive every chance that I get. So I have two, two things actually in closing. One, you've been in the champagne market for a long time as a sports director. Do you aspire to move up? I'm not trying to be your agent. I'm not trying to look out <laughs> for you, but you certainly have a look and a skill set that would allow you to do that. Do you aspire to do that? Or are you kind of content right now, personally, family-wise, professionally, where you are? What about that? So I've been here, this actually my started my 10th year now. I just finished my ninth year at the station last Friday. I thought I'd come here for a couple of years and, and move on because the people above me, I didn't think they'd go anywhere. And so often how the story works. And I should say too, I took a, a lateral move to come here because it was home. My wife and I had our first child in 2013. She's now nine. Where does the time go, right? And so I was very, very fortunate to move up quickly on the ladder here and become sports director at 28. Whether I was ready for that or not, who knows, but it's worked out well for me. But I'd love to try somewhere else. You know, I think for me professionally, I feel like I'm ready for that. We'll see what happens personally, though, because there's always this mix of professional and personal. It has to be right for your family. I've got three kids and a beautiful wife who all support me. My family is in the Champaign-Urbana area. So is my wife's family. This job is very difficult time-wise, right? You're, you're working nights, I'm traveling, doing different things. And so we've been very fortunate to raise our three kids who are now nine, seven, and almost three with the support of family. We'll see what happens in the future. I'm always open to different things and, and trying something because I, I do believe you can get to a point in a market where you've pretty much done everything you can do. And so pr professionally, I'm, I'm eager to see what that might look like. Personally, though, it's the pull of, okay, well, my family's here. How do you mix those two? It's always a tough call. And on that subject of family and the kids, because I, you don't know this, I have 14-year-old twins, and right now they're girls. They roll their eyes at everything with dad, including whether he has <laughs> any celebrity or fame. I hear you laughing, and you may be there soon or already there with a nine-year-old. Do the kids think it's cool that dad is on TV and covering this? Do they perk up? when they see you on TV, et cetera. I'm just curious about that as a father. Is that a cool thing? Yeah, I think it's more cool for my parents and my in-laws, to be honest. I don't know if my wife watches me very on it, very often. I, in fact, I know she doesn't because she's taking care of them. And my son, who's seven now, is really into sports. My daughter doesn't care about sports at all. She's like more into dance and music and all that kind of stuff, which is great. And I support her 100% in that. When I come on, they're like, oh, dad's just on TV, whatever, you know. But my son, he thinks it's more cool, not that I'm on TV, but like I get to talk with Isaiah Williams for Illinois or Kofi Coburn or Io assume he's a huge Io fan, you know. So that's what he thinks is really, really cool when, hey, yeah, daddy knows all those guys. You know what I mean? John, anything in closing? Well, you know, uh, actually, TJ, you took my question. I was going to ask about, uh, you know, future plans. You know, obviously, Champaign-Urbana, number 90 market, as you've said. Uh, ultimately, uh, I would be curious, when you think about bigger markets, you talk about family, you know, the reality of the matter is Champaign is, uh, you know, Champaign-Urbana is a relatively kind of sedate place in terms of certainly cost of living, uh, certainly not necessarily some of the other aspects that you see in bigger cities that can get a little dangerous at times. Would that be something that would factor into your to your calculus? The fact that ultimately it's, you know, it doesn't have some of the other problems that the bigger markets might have. Absolutely. And I think it has to be the right mix. 
I've got a great job. I'm not just going to pack up and leave here for another job that pays the same or less. And I think that's part of the other tricky mix too. And this is a whole local TV, a whole media problem. Let's be real. It's not just local TV. People are getting jobs younger and younger in markets that are bigger and bigger, whether they're ready for it or not. And the reality is that's because stations, newspapers, whoever, whomever can pay them less. And so you, you get this mix of like, okay, well, I have 12 years experience, 13 years experience in this business. I'm not willing to go work for a, a lower number that someone that's 25 or 26 would willing, be willing to go work for in market 25 in Indianapolis, let's say. So that is prohibitive in a sense. And that's a disturbing trend just as a whole in media especially in local TV, we're just cost cutting, cost cutting, cost cutting, especially in sports. We don't see value in sports. Why do we want to pay this person what they're worth? And so I think that has to be part of the equation as well. And you never know. I've, I've always said all along, I came here. I thought I was going to be here two years. I've been here 10. You, you never know what's going to happen in life. And so uh, we'll see where the big guy upstairs ultimately leads us. But for right now, I'm just trying to make the most of every single chance I get. And uh, I always say this too, you know, I don't root for the teams that I cover, but I sure have a heck of a lot more fun when they win. So uh, we'll see if what, uh, what the teams have done here and, and what Illinois can continue to do. Cause uh, you know, I sure wouldn't mind spending bowl game, Christmas, new year's somewhere else. And it, it's warm. I know that much, John. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe Illinois will make the uh, Fiesta Bowl one of these days. Yeah, so. maybe. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck with everything going forward. And, uh, you know, uh, here's hoping we'll uh, hear your name more often uh, on a national level, too. Guys, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. Be well. Brett, it was great. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Wow. Well, I mean, I can't emphasize enough, John. They need to go see the story on YouTube. Look up his name, and it's spelled B-E-H-E-R-N-S, even though it's pronounced Barron's. Brett Barron's story is on YouTube. WCIA is the television station, the CBS3, Channel 3 affiliate in Champaign-Urbana. You can find him on the web through that station, find it through YouTube. They will not be disappointed. It's an it's an amazing story where his mother, I'm not going to ruin the whole thing. His mother is reading the diary that she wrote where she really thought it was like his obituary, writing goodbye to him while he was laid up in the hospital. And that guy you were just hearing from on the podcast has done amazing things since then to be where he is. We can't, we can't oversell it. John, just one more yeah. time. We can't oversell yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just, uh, you know, and, and uh, again, you know, uh, does a good job uh, in terms of his his day job too right so you know uh, ultimately uh yeah yeah uh, it's a it's a great story and uh you know it certainly makes you think right no doubt about that are you ready to finish up with some fun stuff here we go love it or leave it Okay, we uh, we are we have come to the home stretch here. Little League World Series, the finale won by the Hawaiian team. Hawaii defeated uh, Tennessee in the United States Championship and then defeated Curacao to win. And they were amazing because they beat team after team by double-digit runs. They won the championship game over Curacao on the 10-run rule. I know this because I saw a couple of highlights. John, love it or leave it, did you check out a little bit at the end of the Little League World Series? No longer in prime time. Did you see a little of it? Uh, you know, I didn't really watch it too closely. I'm not a big little league guy. The reality of the matter is it was a route, uh, mercy rule, you know, yep. that's never good. Um, but you know, look, it, I'm, I'm, I don't know how I feel about little league 
I really don't know. You know, it seems a little morally wrong, you know, but at the same time, if the kids are having fun and, uh, you know, the, the kids are having fun and the adults are making money, isn't that the way it works? <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of different parts uh, yeah. of sports. Okay. So we're good on that one. Another one. Love it or leave it. I know you're going to light up on this WNBA playoffs. And at the time we're releasing the podcast, Seattle in the final four has upset the number one seed Las Vegas in the opening game. So we've settled in for that five game series. I know you're loving some WNBA playoffs as they unfold later this week as well. One more time. Yeah, you know, uh, it'll be interesting. Seattle going for their third title in five years. I think a lot of people went into the postseason maybe underrating them because they were the fourth seed and had a disappointing run last year with the injuries to Brianna Stewart. But the reality is they're going for a third title in five years. And, uh, you know, they've got Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart. They've got Jewel Lloyd. Uh, To me, uh, I look at that and I say, I think Vegas is in a lot of trouble. The reality is I know Vegas has Becky Hammond, but what exactly have the Aces done in this run with Asia Wilson? They did make the finals two years ago and got swept by Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, I think Seattle's in very good shape in that series. All right. So the WNBA is still unfolding and it will play out over the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And I think we have time for one more. Love it or leave it. I'm curious here because everybody's dabbling around on different shows, different movies. Are you new movie that's out, not necessarily in the theater, but online, something strike you. It's, it's been movie season throughout the summer, new TV show that you're getting into. My wife and I are trying to watch the Kevin Costner Yellowstone show from the beginning. We're four years, four seasons behind. We're trying to get into that. Anything, love it or leave it for you that you've been watching. I have a trial of YouTube premium that I got with my phone. So I've been uh, getting into some YouTubers lately. I mentioned the red letter media people. I discovered over the weekend that apparently Macaulay Culkin does the show every now and again. So sometimes <laughs> okay. Macaulay Culkin will just be there with the, the other reviewers. I'm, I'm enjoying and, that. And again, it's know. kind of like a sarcastic comedy riff well, they, type thing. Yeah, they, they riff bad movies. Uh, okay. And, uh, you know, uh, the riff tracks guys will always be a number ones, but you got to have some alternatives too. And I think they're a bit better. I used to watch uh, the that guy with the glasses a, a long while ago, Doug Walker, but I kind of lost interest in that. So I needed a new riff tracks alternative for when I've overdone the riff tracks movies. But no movies this summer, even, no. even on video, not necessarily in the theater. I saw Top Gun in the theater. I saw the uh, the sequel of Thor in the theater with the twins. Again, I didn't see the first one. You'll love this. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the first one, so I had a twin next to me trying to catch me up on everything that I didn't know had happened in the first one, and why does any of this make sense? So- I, haven't, I haven't been in a theater since... Uh, whatever movie that was in 2016 with The Rock and Dwayne Johnson. Well, The Rock is Dwayne Johnson. The right. Rock and Kevin Hart. You, you uh, gotta be more specific because they've done about five. Yeah, of them I know. Now. One I of those dumb. One. The one where he was like uh, a nerd when he was a kid, and then uh, CIA, I think. Yeah, Central ties, Intelligence. Central Intelligence. It, tur- it ties right back into Brett <laughs> Barron's and his TV station. Yes, that's we true. Actually we actually watched that in our household earlier this summer, and the twins rolled their eyes and said, "This is silly. This is dumb. Yeah, this is whatever." Was, but I, I, we only went because we had like uh, like an eight and ten year old with us, and we figured they'd get a <laughs> kick out of it, but they didn't <laughs> like it either. So um, I was going to say, WCIA uh, is actually one of the only two stations in America that did not carry the Maud episode where Maud was pregnant and needed. Uh, oh to, wow! Yeah. 
That was the only back in the seventies. You're talking about the early yes, 70s. back in the seventies. WCIA and the sister network. I don't know, maybe in like Peoria or whatever. The only stations in the country. So that's like that. I found that out just randomly the other day because there's a character on TV pregnant out of wedlock, right? right. Well, it was, was a, it was an abortion episode. It there was B. Arthur, the great B. Arthur. We're going like way in in the arc in the archive there into the seventies. Uh, on that and now the different things that are on tv will just make you shake your head on what's uh, i'll tell you something there. We, we only have like one minute but i'm going to say right now you could get away with a lot more on tv in the 70s than you could today a lot more like Very if you've true. ever if you showed a young person in any episode of all in the family particularly from the early seasons when archie was just saying i mean like i mean they, it would be shocking so you get just if not racist yes. things. Oh, what you mean. flat out. He was right. saying slurs on network TV. It was unbelievable. And this is what, two years, three years after my father knows best, you know, or, or how many ever years after, you know, the flying nun. And all of a sudden <laughs> you have you have uh, who, who's this guy? He's 100 years old now. Norman Lear, who's still making work, making things at 100, is out there putting stuff on TV that I, I still can't believe he was getting away with. It's unbelievable. Just more educational value here on this. Listen, uh, I always love being with you. Great interview again with Brett Behrens. He is the sports director of WCIA CBS3. Love that story. Uh, love what uh, love what he had to say about the business and working in the local market and looking to move up. And he has been there for a while, family man, etc. Very revealing. A lot of great takes on the show. John, I enjoyed it again as always. Hey, I always enjoy it. Uh, we thank you for being with us again. Follow or subscribe on this feed. George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is here. Pat Fitzgerald, the guest this week. Second part of a conversation with the North Northwestern coach, Greg Gumble of CBS on next week. And again, Mike and Phil with the Announcer Schedules podcast uh, that is out later on in the week. You get them all if you follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, to the SportsMediaWatch.com uh, podcast feed. Uh, for now, though, we are good. I think that's full as we head into Labor Day. Everybody be safe on Labor Day. We're back in September with the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.